We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN and a Tuesday. And obviously, uh, none of us expected that we'd be talking about uh, what we're going to talk about today, this time yesterday. But let's go live to Cincinnati right now. And joining us uh, from our sister station, KRLD in uh, Dallas, we have reporter Alan Skaya, who is at the hospital in Cincinnati. Alan, can you set the stage for us, please? People have been coming and going uh, from from the hospital here all morning. Uh, they have been. We've had uh, we had some rain earlier this morning, so the crowd kind of died down then. But now you're seeing more people in Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills jerseys. I even saw one guy in a Chargers uh, sweatshirt saying he just wanted to come out and show support for both teams. He lives in the area now, but he grew up in San Diego. So people are coming out here. They're leaving flowers. They're leaving candles and cards outside the hospital uh, where where uh, Hamlin's being treated inside. Alan, how long have you been at the hospital? Uh, I got here uh, probably about uh, five or six hours ago, and I've been here since. And, yeah, we just we just had that kind of steady stream that's been showing up, uh, just ebbing and flowing as the rain falls. And are they still keeping fans uh, and media back a considerable distance from the hospital? Yes. Uh, so the hospital folks, they, like, they're letting us stand on the other side of the street as long as you stay on the sidewalk across the street. Uh, but yeah, they're they're not letting fans across. They're not letting fans close to it. And so there's a there's a small memorial that's across the street from one of the parking garages where people have been leaving some of those cards. And uh, you know, if they bring a sign uh, saying you know you know uh, uh, you know saying they they're they're saying prayers for him, uh, you know prayers for Demar. I've seen one. Uh, and so they are keeping us across the street, but there are people who are just sort of milling around here. Uh, we're talking with Alan Skaya from our sister station KRLD in Dallas. This is News Radio 930 WBEN in Buffalo. Alan is at the uh, University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Um, can you uh, isolate for us any specific quotes that you've heard from people or anybody who's made a special impression on you? Uh, just you know, his manager had said earlier that that he does seem to be making progress. That uh, that that uh, he has been breathing. He does breathe on his own. That and so you know, the hope is that there will be a recovery. We just simply don't know just yet what that recovery might look like. Uh, the NFL sent out a statement from from his family saying they want to express their sincere gratitude for the love and support, both from the Bills organization, but also for the Bengals organization, saying that that both teams have shown their support. Uh, for you know, helping them with with everything they need at this point as they're holed up inside this hospital. Alan, were you at the game last night? I was not. No. And d- did you see what happened? Uh, did you see it live? What was your experience with this story? Yes, I was watching it. I work in Dallas, but I actually i I grew up in Cincinnati, and so uh, I was actually home for Christmas still. And we were watching the game, and we saw it uh, probably the same way a lot of the fans saw it too. A lot of the fans who were in the stadium where it first just looked like a regular injury where they're tending to him. But then when he goes back down uh, and everybody gathers around him, you know when, when you see teammates who are 
just looking surprised. They don't understand what's happening. It's not just, oh, he's an, he's a, there, it's an injury. We just need to give him some space for the medical guys. Everybody was surprised at what was happening, and everybody came together. And when they brought the ambulance out onto the field, everybody was just sort of watching and waiting to find out what was happening. Uh, certainly a horrific scene. Uh, Alan Skaya is live with us from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Now, uh, growing up in Cincinnati, you might have some information about this facility that we don't have. Now, we're in Erie County, New York, and we have the Erie County Medical Center, which is a level one trauma center, one of those places where if you can get somebody to medical care within that first uh, golden hour of a trauma, they've got a much better chance of survival. Tell us about UC Medical Center. Yeah, and it's the same way here at UC, too. It's a, it's a university teaching hospital, and it is. It's, it's one of those level one trauma centers. And so it is a place that, that, that is relied on uh, to, to provide this kind of service. And it's one, too, that after an injury like this, uh, it's, just a, it, it, it's close to the stadium also. It's about three miles or so from the stadium. And so when they had to get him out of here, they had to get him somewhere quick, too. And so that was, that was another advantage to coming here. Alan Skaya is with us. He is on location at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, joining us on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, how many people so far in the five or six hours you've been at the hospital, if you had to count, have uh, trickled in to leave some token of affection or prayer for uh, Mr. Hamlin? I would say, and yeah, in, in the time I've been here, maybe about a dozen, maybe. Yeah, I would say about a dozen people, maybe 12 or 15 people have come by. And it's small things, too. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's someone with, with a sign that, 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 that's got a shield with the, uh, the Bill's colors on it. Or it's someone with a candle they just want to lay down here. Someone came by with a, with a necklace with the Bill's logo on the end of it. And so, and it's, it's yeah, it, it doesn't matter what team you're a fan of. They said, like, right now we're all in this together. And so they just wanted to show their support what little they can. I talked to one woman who even said, on the field, when we get back on the field, I hate the Bills, but right now, we're all in this together. <laughs> Very uh, interesting uh, phraseology. The uh, um, milling of the crowd last night. First of all, let's, let's talk about the crowd because uh, as somebody who grew up in Cincinnati, you can put us into the Cincinnati mindset the uh, applause the crowd gave for the Buffalo Bills as the Bills were leaving the field, the applause that were given for DeMar Hamlin uh, were, were deafening. And the class of the Cincinnati Bengals fan uh, was really something to behold. Like, they all got it. They all knew in the moment what was going on, and suddenly what was supposed to be one of the most important AFC games of the year became absolutely irrelevant. This wasn't just a guy with a pulled hamstring, and that became very clear. You talk about the applause, too. The thing that struck me was the way the crowd got so quiet when it became clear this wasn't just a, uh, just a random football injury, that it was something more than that. And that's something that, that, that folks here in Cincinnati are saying, again, is that, you know, that it's something where they, they, they want to show their support for someone who uh, – for, for, for someone this, – this isn't a football-related injury. And so they, they, they want to be there. Uh, for him right now and for his family. Now, some of us, uh, I'm sure, in Buffalo were listening to uh, Cincinnati media last night, particularly uh, WLW. And can you give us a picture of uh, what is being said over the airwaves and uh, in the print newspapers in Cincinnati about this situation? 
some people are comparing this to it was back in, I think, 96. And I remember the, this. it was a Cincinnati Reds game on opening day. One of the umpires had a heart attack on the field. And, and he went down and he passed away from a heart attack on the field. And some people are saying this brings back memories of that, even though it was uh, uh, however many, 25-plus years ago, that it brings back memories of that. Everybody sort of puts themselves wherever that, that they can sort of draw from and that this is a time when, when it's something that we don't see. And so it's, it, these are images that everyone's going to remember from the ambulance coming out onto the field uh, to both teams kneeling down on the field and, and kind of showing support for each other, you know, hugging each other. Uh, in the middle of what should have been just a, a big rivalry game. You know, there is some disagreement, uh, Alan, over whether the NFL was really going to institute the uh, five minutes and then get over it and start the game over again or not. Have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't heard anything. I haven't confirmed one way or the other what was, you know, what was happening behind closed doors. But I got to believe that the NFL like, in the front office, too, that they, that they had no idea what was going on. You know, they, they, they don't know how serious it is. Uh, from what little they can see of them doing CPR and Hamlin, you know, down on the field, that, you know, they may not have known just how big this was going to be until it started playing out. No, you know, Alan, I, I don't know if you've seen the video of it, but uh, one of the most poignant moments last night was seeing the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals and the coach of the Buffalo Bills conferring and became very alarmed when Bills coach Sean McDermott was covering his lips um, so that they could not be read. And I really wondered what he was saying and was hoping that maybe we'd get some insight as to the condition of DeMar Hamlin. But the look on Bill's coach Sean McDermott's face, the look on Joe Burrow's face um, really said it all. The look on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, all those guys. Uh, you just knew this was something that was just terrible. You mentioned Allen and Burrow in there, and I, I remember seeing the, like the, the, the camera angle showing their faces and just that sort of it, like a blank sort of intensity on them that they, they have no idea that this is not a situation they understand that, that they're prepared for. It's not as though you can have a game plan or a playbook to deal with something like this. And so, yeah, it's uh, – and, and even then when, you know, when he was on the field that you know, some of the players tried to crowd around him while they were giving him CPR so that there wouldn't be a clear camera angle. This was something they didn't want to play out live on TV for the whole nation to see. And, and to their credit, too, the network cut away and, and did a good job with that, as they did um, here in Buffalo. We've had two incidents involving our hockey team, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, which have uh, uh, resulted in severe bleeding trauma wounds to necks. Uh, one was a goaltender by the name of Clint Malarchuk, who almost bled to death at the old Memorial Auditorium, and the other was a hockey player by the name of Richard Jednick, who... Uh, skated thank god he was so fast skated to his bench also with uh, a major vessel uh, in his neck that was damaged so you know you you go back to those scenes and you try to relate them to this um how how is a uh, t higgins um holding up you know i i couldn't say for sure i couldn't talk about higgins himself but uh it's 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 been tough it's been tough for the entire team it's been tough for both teams and so it's not um, you know, it, it's not as though there, there's one thing that stands out here. It's that it's affected, it's affected everybody. And, you know, from the players who've been going into the hospital today uh, to, to the family, too, it's something that's um, – it's, it, it's hard to say how any individual person is holding up. But, um, 
but that, that they but that they're they're just glad they don't have to think about football right now. And, and I, I bring up him, of course, because uh, he was the gentleman uh, whom was brought down by uh, Mr. Hamlin last night uh, during the game. And uh, you know, it, it what I think a lot of us are thinking of right now is uh, Demar Hamlin basically bounding to his feet, uh, maybe uh, got a little forearm uh, into one of the Bengals, and then adjusted his helmet. And then just fell completely limp backward. Just a horrible thing to behold. Yes, and Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, he, he kind of alluded to that uh, when uh, I'm gonna grab his. Uh, he sent a statement earlier today uh, saying that this, the, oh, last night was supposed to be a great night for the NFL. He said it was going to be a great showcase for Cincinnati. Instead, he said the human side of the sport became apparent. Uh, and in that moment, humanity and love rose to the forefront. I think that kind of speaks to what you're saying is that it wasn't a time that people were thinking about Bengals Bills playoff seating. It was a time when they were at, when everybody was on the same page with what was happening. Oh, absolutely! It was a a, a great night for I, I think humanity when you saw everybody getting together. Bengals Bills, other teams from around the National Football League, guys and ladies from other sports weighing in, saying, "Yeah, okay, I had a great game, but let's focus on Demar Hamlin." That really brought out the best of the human spirit. That's right, and and for me, living in Dallas, seeing even the Cowboys, saying our thoughts and prayers are with are with the Buffalo Bills right now. It's 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 brought everyone together, even if for a short time before the playoffs start. Well, this uh, this is true. Now, uh, as to the football side of things, Alan, we um, in Buffalo, I don't know that anybody is really thinking about football right now. The New England Patriots are next, but this game last night was going to be one of the most important games in the AFC this year, and its status uh, long-term is unknown. Um, Are you hearing any rumblings in Cincinnati of what the fans of the Bengals want, or is it just way too early to even think about football ramifications? Hearing from the fans, yeah, they are not thinking about the playoffs right now. We did just get an update from the NFL in the past hour or so, uh, they say they're in regular contact with both the Bills and the Bengals, as well as the Players Association. Uh, he said that um, uh, Roger Goodell says this game is not going to be resumed anytime this week, uh, and they haven't made a call yet on whether they're going to resume the game uh, at a later date or how they're going to make this up. And so that's something that's it's, it's all still up in the air. Uh, they say they're not making any changes to the Week 18 season schedule, uh, but they don't know when they might make up this game. Alan, uh, do you have any information on how long it was between the time of injury to DeMar Hamlin and the time they brought out the AED? I, uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head because I want to say I have seen that it was, that it was um, I, you know, I, I don't want to say a time because I don't want to get it wrong, but I want to say it was, it was about 30 minutes when they, when they, when they got him off the field. Um, so I, I couldn't say when they got the AED out there, uh, but uh, yeah, I can't give you a timeline on that for sure. I mean that that's a real that's going to be really important moving forward with this in terms of uh, Mr. Hamlin's uh, hopeful recovery and the extent of his recovery is, is how soon they were able to get his his heart back in rhythm. Obviously, the CPR was of of great help, but to do what needed to be done for uh, Demar Hamlin, you needed that defibrillator. It'll be interesting to see, too, whether this leads to long-term changes within the NFL saying, yes, we want to make sure there is an AED within X number of feet of the field at any given time. 
uh, so that something like this, they, they, they'll know how to address it. They'll have a playbook for it if something like this were to happen again in the future. Have you had a chance at the hospital to talk with any of the doctors who've been anywhere close to this situation involving Mr. Hamlin? No, they've been keeping us uh, far apart from, from the medical staff. And so, no, we haven't had a chance to talk to any of them. Uh, and so like, they're, they're just at work in there. And they've kind of they've kept up across, across the street uh, is, where, is where all the media has been able to, to sit up their tents. Uh, Alan, you are a reporter. You grew up in Cincinnati. You lived. You live now in in Dallas, where you work for our sister station KRLD. Personal thoughts, because you're you're there. You're at Ground Zero at the hospital. Personal thoughts from you, and and where this stacks up in terms of other horrific stories you've had to cover. I I have a couple friends who live in Buffalo, and and I was excited. Like you know, we've been texting and saying. You know, no shame in being beaten by the best. If, you know, if Joe Burrow takes you guys down, no worries about that. It's like, it's, you know, you, you, it was a good time. Everybody was looking forward to this game. It was going to be a big game. But, uh, but I, I was riding the high from, from beating the Buccaneers, you know, a couple weeks ago. And so it was, it's gone in 12, 16 hours time from just a rivalry. We're all going to have a good time. It's going to be a blast. But we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to take Buffalo down to what happens next. And we're all in this together. And, like, you know, we're all, pull, like, we're all pulling for Buffalo right now. Can you tell us how many of the Buffalo Bills are still there with DeMar Hamlin? Do you know? I couldn't tell you for sure who are here now, but they, like, they have been coming and going through the day and, and through the night, too. Uh, so I couldn't say how many, you know, are in, are in there with him right now. Uh, just that there's been a steady stream of them coming and going. Well, Alan, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Appreciate your uh, uh, on-the-scene insight into this. And if you are able to uh, spot any of the Buffalo Bills, uh, or Bengals for that matter, who are leaving the hospital, if uh, you could shoot Tim a text, uh, we'd appreciate that. Will do. Thank you very much. Alan Skyup with KRLD Radio in Dallas, uh, one of our many sister stations on News Radio 930 WBEN. Now, coming up on the program uh, just ahead, we are going to speak with uh, a doctor who's had many, many years of experience in emergency situations. ER doc, Dr. Lori Michael, will join us next on News Radio 930 WBEN. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN as uh, we join everybody else in sending out thoughts and prayers for DeMar Hamlin. You certainly are aware of why we're doing such a thing and spent most of the morning on the telephone with various physicians uh, in the area. And one of those doctors with whom I was able to make contact is my friend, Dr. Lori Michael. She is an ER doc and has been one for 23 years 
years. And uh, being her patient from time to time, I'm certainly uh, very impressed by her work. Uh, first of all, uh, Dr. Michael, can you can you explain to us uh, this this uh, this commotio uh, situation with the heart? I know it's got a specific term, but where somebody is hit in the thoracic region at just the right moment, and it throws the heart totally off of its electrical balance. Yes. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay, Tom. Wonderfully. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, there's been a lot of attention to this phenomenon of commotio cordis, um, and I'm happy to explain it in a little bit more detail. Uh, so, as we know, yes, it's triggered by a blunt force to the sternum, um, but it, what it does is it activates mechanosensitive ion channels. Mechanosensitive meaning sensitive to stretch or force. And if the blunt force occurs during the re- relaxation phase of the heart, when the, when the ventricles are not fully relaxed, it can initiate what's called a secondary depolarization or an activation of the ventricles before the ventricle has had time to relax. And it's during, uh, it, it, this is how it is able to disrupt the cardiac cycle, causing ventricular fibrillation. Um, now, as, as you know, as an aside, ventricular fibrillation is incompatible with life. Um, it's a, and then because, the, the reason is, because it's a chaotic, um, uncoordinated rhythm that, you know, simply does not allow the heart to distribute blood flow normally uh, to the brain and the vital organs. So there's this very narrow window in the electrical phase during which this blunt trauma needs to occur in order to cause ventricular fibrillation, which is one of the reasons why it's such a rare event. Um, But that's only part of it, Tom. The other fascinating aspect of this is that not every part of the ventricle will be in this particular phase at the same time. Mm. So the blunt force must target this area that happens to be in this phase. And so it's like this perfect storm, so to speak, of factors that need to come together in both uh, space and time uh, to create this rare and and very unfortunate event. Um, Now, they say half of these uh, occurrences are fatal, but... Uh, 80%, the fatality is 80% when there's no quick access to defibrillation or, you know, an AED, essentially. And this is true in all out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. Um, you know, survival to the hospital is directly dependent on the uh, prompt delivery of quality CPR, so on-scene uh, CPR. Now, you know, we all watch this play unfold and and yes there was there was definitely blunt force to demar hamlin's chest but there also seems to be maybe a little disconnect between the mechanism and the resultant injury maybe not but it also begs the question of whether there could be other contributing you know factors which you know i'm happy to touch on as well well, could, could those contributing factors involve an underlying and undetected um, electrophysiological uh, situation? Okay, yeah. So, so the biggest risk factor I, it seems to be a history of sudden cardiac death in a family member. Okay, that's a huge risk. But I, I have not heard this mentioned to this point. I don't believe it's a factor. But there are congenital abnormalities that people can have um, and not know for several years that they even have it. One of these is called prolonged QTC uh, syndrome, QTC syndrome. 
Um, and that is where the electrical phase in the cardiac cycle is longer than normal. And that would widen this window of opportunity for an arrhythmia to occur. So that can certainly contribute. Um, other things that could contribute to this could be, you know, significant abnormalities in electrolytes such as sodium, potassium, magnesium. Also a consideration, I think, much less likely. Um, and then a seemingly benign recent viral infection that may cause some inflammation of the heart muscle, such as um, myocarditis or even the outer aspects of the heart, the lining of the heart, um, which is the pericardium, uh, pericarditis. Uh, those things can also be additive factors. So, you know, these are all, you know, things that we just we just don't know at this point. Do, do you believe that after the proper um, diagnostics are done that you people in the medical field will have a much better idea of all of the mechanisms which contributed to the horror we saw last night? You know, I, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that, that we have uh, some, uh, a, you know, complete answers to all of our questions on this. Um, I think it's really important, you know, that we find that out. You know, even doing this 20, 23 years, I and seeing as much as I've seen, uh, you know, I watched with the same shock and I was visibly, clearly disturbed, um, you know, watching this just like everybody else. And, and yeah, I, you know, I certainly hope we, we, we uh, get to the bottom of, you know, what happened. Dr. Lori Michael, when you were watching it last night, was your very first instantaneous thought, Camosio Cordis? Not necessarily. Um, so when I when I watched it happen, um, and we did not know anything yet, I will tell you what I remember most is the minute I saw a single tear come out of one of the players' eyes, and I don't remember which player it was. The minute, the second I saw that, I like I said out loud. I just I knew without a doubt. I said he's in cardiac arrest. I just, you looked at the player's eyes and you saw a tear and I said, you know, a, a big grown man, tough, tough man like that is, is not reacting this way. Um, you know, DeMar's mm. in cardiac arrest and it was awful, awful. Uh, it was dreadful. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, obviously, is our subject. We're speaking with Dr. Lori Michael, uh, emergency doctor for many, many years, and uh, delighted to have her on News Radio 930 WBEN. You know, I was listening to David Bellavia, who does the show before I come on uh, today, and some people were calling in who were talking about CPR and the number of joules, which is a measurement of electricity uh, that are produced just by CPR. And I think back to having my ICD put in, and it took 26 joules to start my heart again and get it into a, a normal rhythm. So are you able, as a medical doctor, to differentiate what CPR can do in terms of correcting a sudden arrhythmia versus what an AED can do? Yeah, so I think we, you know, we need to focus on not necessarily the jewels and how much, you know, energy when you're, when you're performing CPR, but the, me the mechanics of CPR is simply the distribution of blood flow um, to the vital organs and keeping that, um, you know, as much of a constant as you can. Um, now, the AED only comes into play when you know there are certain rhythms that would be amenable to 
to shocking. So to temporarily halting the heart and essentially, um, you know, getting the heart into a normal rhythm. So, you know, there's the one aspect of of, uh, converting an arrhythmia into a normal sinus rhythm. And then there's the idea of simply mechanically pushing on the chest to distribute blood flow uh, to buy yourself time um, to definitive hospital care. Dr. Lori Michael is with us on News Radio 930 WBEN. Um, at some point, we need to address a couple of things, and one of those issues is uh, hypoxia, uh, lack of oxygen to the brain, as I understand it. Based on what you saw last night and everything we've heard about DeMar's condition, how serious a concern is that for you, given the almost instantaneous CPR? And I'm not sure when they put the AED to work, but some thoughts on hypoxia? Yeah. Um, so, as I had mentioned briefly in, before, you know, the prompt delivery of CPR and defibrillation gives you the best chance to uh, survive to the hospital. And the key words there are survive to the hospital. So it doesn't necessarily mean discharge from the hospital. Um, and so anoxic brain damage is, uh, is a significant concern. Um, and, you know, I, I'm assuming they've performed a, you know, imaging of the brain um, that, you know, anoxic brain damage is something that we, we can see on imaging. Uh, and I think there was definitely enough time there that he did not have a pulse. Um, Although I, I just don't know what at what point he was defibrillated. I, you know, I don't think that is clear when the AED, you know, um, was used. So it's hard to comment on how, um, you know, how, how much I'm concerned about hypoxia. I just don't know how long he went without adequate brain flow. I mean, we, we've heard uh, nine minutes. He may have been gone for nine minutes. But like you, yeah. I don't know when the AED was put into place. And may, maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me because you're the, you're the doctor. Uh, but the sooner the AED would be put into place, the better chance of fewer complications downrange. Yeah, I mean, as, as soon as the AED was uh, put into place and the rhythm was converted, um, you know, you would have restored, you can assume you would have restored fairly normal blood flow, especially in a, you know, a young, otherwise healthy athlete. Um, and and also, you know, age will work for him. Uh, you know, that he can certainly tolerate a little bit, uh, you know, longer time, downtime than someone with other comorbidities, health conditions, and of older age. So I'm very hopeful that um, that this will, you know, be a positive, uh, you know, turnout for him. Some people have expressed concern over the uh, medically induced coma, the sedation. Is that because he's intubated and your normal response when something is jammed down your throat is to pull it out? Well, you know, there's a few things that they institute when there's been a ventricular fibrillation, uh, out, you know, arrest, where you you have return of circulation, return of spontaneous circulation. It's something we call ROSC. And one of the things we do in those cases, when the patient gets to the hospital, they have a pulse, they have return of spontaneous circulation, uh, is we, you know, we do have a period of time where we, we do sedate them, we keep them paralyzed, intubated, and we even cool them. Um, if they are at a cooler body temperature, 
then they can uh, focus more on, uh, you know, on uh, preserving the vital organs. And so there has been um, some benefits shown to a period of, of cooling in the uh, neurological outcome of these patients. So it does not surprise me at all that he's still intubated. I don't necessarily, you know, see that as a, you know, a extremely negative sign. I think they're doing what they should be doing at this point. You know, I looked at my mailbox today and I had a number of emails from people suggesting that the vaccine may be a contributing factor when you use words like myocarditis and pericarditis. Um, As you well know, on the VAERS system, a number of people uh, have said that since the vaccine, they developed these uh, hitherto unknown complications. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you any thoughts on that? You know, I think that anything that um, can cause some inflammation to the heart will make it irritable and more susceptible to an arrhythmia. So could uh, a vaccination, any vaccination conceivably that, you know, cause some inflammatory response um, from the heart, could could that conceivably be a predisposing factor? Sure, why not? Um, so, yeah, I just think it comes under that category of, um, you know, any any condition that might cause an, an inflammatory response from the heart itself. And we, we may never know, which I, I would imagine is a very frustrating aspect of your job, Dr. Michael. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That it is. And it's, and it's disturbing because, you know, you see such a, a young, healthy uh, athlete um, have this happen. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's upsetting to all of us. You know, a, a long time ago, and it might have been uh, before you were practicing medicine, and I just realized I may have inadvertently, uh, <laughs> inadvertently uh, said something uh-huh. I, I didn't mean to. I mean, didn't mean to come out this way. But um, a very long time ago, here in Western New York, there was a young man playing lacrosse, and he was hit with uh, the ball or whatever you call it that is used in lacrosse, and he died. He went into uh, defibrillation, and he. Uh, fibrillation, rather, and he died. As an emergency room doctor for 23, 24 years now, have you seen any deaths uh, that have been caused in all likelihood by commotio cordis? So it happens to be the second most common cause of sudden cardiac death in young athletes. Um, But it is still extremely rare, and I have not a case personally in my career uh that that's for, what is what is the first cause i don't know the answer to that okay but it, this is this is number two what we saw last night uh doctor is there anything that i didn't ask you uh that i should have asked you that is important for our listeners to understand about what we witnessed last night on the field well, i think tom we covered uh we covered everything that was you know on my agenda. Well, I I thank you very kindly, uh, Dr. Lori Michael, and uh, I will be in touch. Hopefully I won't be seeing you face-to-face anytime very soon. (laughs) Sounds good, Tom. All right. Thank you very much. Dr. Lori Michael, uh, who is just a terrific uh, emergency doctor. I've uh, been uh, been treated by her on quite a few occasions, actually, and uh, am grateful for her time. She's a very reassuring person to have uh, at your side when uh, things are a little bit up in the air. It is uh, 2.52 at News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, Coming up on the show, we will continue to carry any updates on the condition of 
of Damar Hamlin that we are able to bring you. Uh, we will invite your telephone calls along the way. And one of the aspects of uh, David Bellavia's show that I found particularly interesting at the beginning, a uh, number of phone calls from individuals who have been involved in life-saving. There was a fellow who was uh, an Air Force veteran who very passionately and in great detail talked about performing CPR. And you might have heard the call. The gentleman was penning his resignation, I believe, from the Air Force on a beach somewhere where they don't speak English. And there was a hubbub down the beach, so he ran over. And he, along with the lifeguard, neither of whom spoke one another's language, were able to team up, both of them knowing CPR, and save a life. And along the shores of Lake Erie, a few years ago, and I hope to hear from this gentleman uh, coming up in the next part of the program, uh, there was a young girl who went into Lake Erie and came out of Lake Erie, and she was not breathing, nor did she have any detectable pulse, as I recall. And this man's daughter, a lifesaver, was able to, after an extended period of time, make sure that this young lady was resuscitated. And the deal is, once you start, at, when you are certified in CPR and life-saving, as I understand it, the deal is, once you start with a patient, you do not stop with that patient until somebody above you, uh, above you in, let's say, pay grade or licensure or certification comes in to take over for you. And as I recall the story... Uh, when this young girl was driven away in an ambulance to a hospital, there was very, very little hope uh, that there was going to be survivability. But as it turned out, because of the CPR administered by uh, this guy's daughter, she was actually able to come back and thank his daughter many weeks later uh, for saving her life. So CPR, it's, it's a good thing to know. And I think that this also, um, as Dr. Michael said, it's going to be interesting to see if there are new protocols established in the world of professional sports. Um, think about soccer, European soccer. Think about the National Football League. Think about the National Hockey League, although I'm not quite sure where you'd put AEDs in the boards. I do wonder if uh, there will be an increased focus on more AEDs uh, conveniently located. Playing baseball, for example. I mean, should there be three in the outfield and should there be maybe another three in the infield, one at home plate? Uh, because those AEDs uh, are absolute lifesavers. You might have one at work. You might have gone through uh, training in the automatic external defibrillator. Um, and it's uh, obviously something that uh, was very important last night, but we don't know when it was, uh, when it was applied, uh, nor have we found out yet which Buffalo Bills are still in Cincinnati at University of Cincinnati Medical Center to be with uh, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, but it was just, you know, you, you go from uh, watching a football game uh, and, okay, the Bengals go down, they score seven. The Bills go down, they score three. Bengals get the ball back, they're on the move. And then all of those things that seemed so incredibly earth-shakingly important, they all went out the window in the twinkling of an eye. And if you were watching the game last night, could, could you tell, and we'll get into this when we take some telephone calls later on, but 
Could you tell when it wasn't an ACL, when it wasn't a broken arm or even a, a broken leg? There, there was a certain urgency and emergency to the situation last night, which was visible, I thought, on the field after Mr. Hamlin fell down without even trying to brace his fall uh, in a, uh, 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 a supine position. And the looks and, and the looks on the players, in particular of the Buffalo Bills, because they showed the Bills players more than they did the Bengals on the, the telecast I was watching, the thousand-mile stare, the tears. And there was a time when Stephon Diggs was trying to rally the troops, but then he must have been told something because his demeanor changed 180 degrees from trying to rally the troops to tears uh, when he was told or learned what the situation was with uh, DeMar Hamlin. But I just want to congratulate the coaches of the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals for being, you know, the expression is overused perhaps, but the adults in the room. And I don't know whether or not the NFL says, oh, no, the five-minute thing, that was never under consideration. Well, why would every media source say that the game will resume in five minutes or should resume in five minutes under NFL protocol? Uh, but that would have been absolutely uh, disastrous. That game could not continue last night. It probably won't even be played. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Thank you so much for being with us. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out of market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.